stupidity. Hey, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to two chapters again, two chapters, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. It's actually where we're going to begin today. And we're going to continue in this, uh, this series called We Are the Body. And you know, uh, right now in America, there is a multi-billion dollar industry all focused on the body. Now, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but this is kind of the off-season for uh, focusing on the body. Here's how I know that. All the commercials, they're all ramping up. And right, right now, they're making commercials for all the overeating that you have planned in the next couple of months. Yeah, some of you are going to start filling your mouths with wax. Yeah, candy corn. I don't know why you eat that. Uh, and then, you know, and then you're going to overeat again, and then you're going to overeat again, and then those commercials are coming, and then suddenly you're going to be drinking green drinks, and, and, and hopefully you'll be fasting with us, and uh, everybody's like, that's it, January, I'm all in, and then we go through this cycle, and it's a multi-billion dollar industry where people are saying, hey, hey, you got to take care of your body, and by the way, uh, you only get one, you, you should actually take care of the body. But I want to say uh, to you that while we will spend lots of money investing in the one body that we have physically, I wonder, do we value the one body that we have spiritually? I wonder, are we as a people investing in great ways in the health of the body? Now, I got to tell you, the body is worth it. It's worth way more than all of your green drinks and all of your pills and supplements and all the things. The body of Christ is, has been going on now for over 2,000 years, impacting the world. It's the unstoppable force, the thing that Jesus says, that not even the gates of hell will stop it. So all of you worried about Bill Gates, stop it. Anyways, anyways, I know who you are. So all of you worried about the gates. Don't worry about the gates. The body of Christ will prevail. But listen, listen carefully. We do need to invest in the body. And I, as, as a pastor, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned that, that, that we don't think that the body of Christ is just simply here to be observational every week. You're not here to just come and observe a worship team or observe a sermon. I mentioned this last week that I promise you, your seed is not going to thank you at the end of this day and say, listen, thank you for the 80 minutes of warmth that you brought me. Oh, I'm so fulfilled. Your seat just thanking you for your presence. No, no, no seat will thank you for warming, uh, being in this place for 80 minutes. But this community would thank you if you got the touch of God on your life and you became the kinds of people that God wants us to be as the body of Christ. Listen, our community would shake with the love of God and the presence of God knowing that there is a genuine body. Why? Because uh, the body of Christ is the place of redemption. 
Much in the same way that the earth quaked when Jesus came out of the grave and resurrection life, I believe the earth quakes today when those who have that same life in them begin to walk their streets and walk their neighborhoods and are a part of their community. Listen, you are the redemptive expression of Jesus. I hope you haven't forgotten. Some of you older saints in the room, I hope you haven't forgotten who you used to be. Listen, some of you, I knew you a few years ago. I know Jesus saves. <laughs> come on, you act all holy in here on Sunday, but come on. Listen, we're the expression that Jesus is still saving, he's still renewing, and if somebody doesn't know God and they're far from God, here's what they need to find. They need to find someone in the body, someone who's been redeemed, someone who's been saved, someone who's been set apart, somebody filled with the presence of God. Listen, that's what they need to find, is the body alive with Christ as its head. And God is saying, listen, I don't want you to be an observational church, I want you to be an influential kingdom. It's not just about, about uh, you know, checking a religious box. God has set us in his body. And Romans 12, 4 through 8, gives us a list. A list of, of areas where we're really, uh, really encouraged to grow in. It says, for just as each one of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. And we talked about that last week. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then encouragement. If it's giving, then generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. And we begin to understand last week that these are not exemption lists. They are lists saying there are people who carry extra grace in these areas that all of us are called to walk in. That's very important for you to know. Very important for you to know. And I, 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 want, I want you to look at your neighbor, and I just want you to quote the scripture I just read to you. It may be startling at first to hear it come out of your mouth, okay? But look at your neighbor, look at them now, look at them now, look at them, and say, you belong to me. Oh, culturally, that's a dangerous statement, right? That's a dangerous statement, right? It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go, don't go getting all offended, Okay. They didn't say they own you. This says, we each one in the body of Christ belong to each other. And there are some truths that we need to lay hold of. If we belong to one another, then the gift that is in the person to your left, to your right, front and behind, it is also for you. And that's why, because of the grace on our life, we need to use these gifts. We need to use them. And if you're in the body of Christ, you have a gift. You have a gift. You do. I had a, a pastor one time in Ghana look at me, and he said, Pastor, the way you're preaching, just, no one could do that. 
I was actually talking about forgiveness. He said, no one could live this way. A pastor said that to me. He goes, after all, I'm only human. Have you ever said that? I'm only human. You know what I said to this pastor who confronted me in front of the whole pastor, this whole pastoral meeting? Since he did it in public, I had to answer him in public. And I said, pastor, I would like to show you how to be born again. Then you will no longer be only human. Because when you get born again, the God, the Holy Spirit moves in and you cease from being only human to being a human empowered by the love of God, the power of God, and the same Spirit that was working in Jesus. He never said it again. Now, here's the thing. If that spirit's in you, why in the world would you just leave that laying there dormant? That spirit, that spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And we, we've got to use our gifts, not because we're looking for a platform or to be celebrated. That's a terrible reason to use your gift. You use your gift because of God's undeserved favor on your life. You're like, God, I didn't deserve an inkling of the attention you have showed me in your love and the work of the cross. I didn't deserve a second of your affection. But because you set it on me, I'm going to give you the rest of my life. Everything you've put in me is yours. Now here at Calvary, we help you to discover that because we don't pretend like, like people just wake up and know. Because you may not know what your gift is. Well, you discover that in foundations and they'll be starting that again. There's six weeks of just taking you through the, what every believer who has successfully walked with God does. But in the middle of it, we'll take you on a journey of discovery where you will discover that many times your, your destiny is found in your design. That from the very beginning in your personality and your, your gift set and the people that you feel drawn to, that there is a very unique grace set on your life meant to be used for his glory. We, we discover that in foundations. And then we, we position you and you, we position ourselves to use those gifts through launch. That's a meeting where, where we pray over you and connect you to a ministry leader so you can begin to work in those gifts whatever they may be. And then I would say it this way, we mature in our gifts in community called life groups. We mature there. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Now, whatever you do, whatever your gift, please don't diminish it. Don't, don't diminish it. And here's why. Because this is what God says. God says, God says in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Man, he made you the way he made you because he wants to use you in the way that he made you. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't want to change you, which you're going to hear today, but he will change you and use you the way he made you for his glory. But God set each one of them in the body just as he pleased. Verse 19, it says, and if they were all one member, if they were all the same gift, where would the body be? And here's the revelation from last week. It's not what would the body be. If we were all the same, it's not what would the body be. It's where would the body be. 
You see, I believe it's the church that is all walking in their gifting that then that collective group begins to move into where God has called them to be. It is, it is when each one of us say, yes, God, I recognize your grace. I recognize your hand on my life. I'm not going to live. I'm, reje I'm rejecting sin. I'm living, I'm living apart from that lifestyle. And God, now I'm going to say yes to the grace that's on my life and let you use me. And the body, Bible says that it's then that the body of Christ, especially local bodies, begin to go where? God wants them to go. Now, I want you to look carefully at this. We know that every member doesn't have the same function, okay? Everyone doesn't. How many of you know, though, in life, you need to grow? Like, you may have a gift, but you need to grow. I remember this time, uh, I spent a lot of years, a lot of years uh, playing soccer in my formative years. Played a lot of sports. I was on a lot of teams. But I spent more time playing soccer, and I loved it because I was able to carry it on the mission field and play soccer. We used soccer balls uh, in Brazil to win entire stadiums to Christ. I don't know if you've ever seen an entire stadium respond to Jesus. I have, and God used the silliness of a soccer ball to do it. And uh, I, I have watched God use, use that, you know, and when you have a, a little bit of, of athletic gifting, you can kind of rest on that and you can kind of, you know, just kind of lean on that. And by the way, if there are any teenagers here, man, you are gifted now, but your 20s are coming and those happy meals catch up to you. And I can remember in the 90s, I had played soccer all over the world with elite athletes, and I really felt like there was not a human being that I could not run down on a soccer field. That was my specialty. I, was, I, played, I played defense. There wasn't a human being I couldn't run down. But I remember the day I was playing in Cape Coral, Florida on this huge field, and there was a Dutch man, six foot six. I I, before Jesus, I think this man was part gazelle. This man was so fast. And what I had been leaning on for many of those years was just my athletic ability. I, I wasn't out there working hard. I wasn't out there. I was just kind of leaning into what I had. And when I tried to chase him down, he was dribbling and I could not catch him. And I thought, you know, I might need to work on this. I might need to, I might need to grow a little bit. I don't, I don't need to just take what I have and possess and just think, wow, this is, this is the end of it. No, I need to grow. And what I want to position you in, whether you've been walking with Christ for a day or a decade or multiple decades, is we all need to grow. Uh, listen, today, uh, maybe next week, you know, after we're, we're, uh, you guys are all gone and you're like, man, high five, what a day. I got so encouraged at Calvary. There will still be those, those things that we examine as a staff and say, hey, how can we get better? How, how can we grow? And I don't, I don't want you to be uh, in this mindset uh, of, of just kind of status quo in your relationship with God and your influence for the kingdom. How many of you know God intends for us to grow? If this, if this walk was just about being saved and you, man, you received the salvation, that free gift from Christ, if it was only about that, man, why didn't we all just check out and go to heaven? 
Why didn't we just leave this planet? Or is, there, or is it that that salvation is to be worked out, demonstrating that Jesus really does love people, and he really does save people, and he really does move and care and wants people in his kingdom? And he uses people, people who are willing to grow. And I want to share something with you uh, today that I, I think is going to help you maybe get into the mindset about how you grow. Because how do you do that? In a society where things are so fast-paced, where, where so much is available, where everything is pulling on you from every direction, how do you grow? Let me give you just a couple of things today about how you can really grow in this gifting that you have from God. You can't deny it. You have it. But how do you grow in it? First, you need to grow in connection to a gift. So you have a gift. You've got to grow in connection to a gift. Let me explain this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 8, it says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it said, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and, listen to these words, gave gifts to people. Now, okay, so here Jesus is giving gifts. Let's skip down just a few verses and you'll find out what those gifts really are or who they are. So, Christ himself gave, here's what he gave, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. All of them have the same job, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, yes, at first glance, you look at this, and maybe you've been around the church for a while, and you've maybe heard Ephesians 4 quoted before, and you're like, man, this is, this is God's leadership structure. These are, are the doma gifts in the Greek that Jesus gives uh, to the body for the equipping of the saints, and we really kind of lean into the function. And here's what we miss, and here's what the Holy Spirit really highlighted to me. He gives the five-fold ministry to identify, listen to me, five areas every saint can grow in. Because five areas you're going to need to grow in to become mature, to become uh, uh, you know, more of a a Christ follower, more of that person who carries the image of God, who has an influence for the kingdom. These are five areas of growth, not just five gifts. They are gifts that are to grow us. So let's, let's look at these, these five areas because they're really, it's really important that you understand these five gifts are people. And most of the time when we think about growing we think about, you know, the personal side of growth, how we can empower ourselves. How many of you know that Proverbs 27, 17, though, says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens the other. 
Let me just say, there needs, according to Proverbs 27, there needs to be another piece of iron in order for the sharpening to take place. That is why a disconnected, uh, singular Christian, lone ranger person who wants to live in a world apart from other believers gifted by God with the grace of God and the spirit of God on their life, they want to live apart from that. Listen, that is not a biblical way to grow. God says, I gave people, I give people for your growth. That means you're going to have to be connected to other people. We used, this used to come natural for us. But now we're in a time where we're like, ah, avoid people. I'm going to catch something or they want something or they want to sell something. Ah, people. Because of the news, every person you meet is a terrorist or a weirdo or a sex addict or something. Every person you're, it's like a, is a suspect, not a neighbor. And so the, the, the links of connection have grown, have grown weak. And God is saying, your strength is actually going to be found in connecting to other people. Let me show you this. God calls these people a gift. And so let's, let's list out these five. Now, here's what, here's what I want to, want to show you today. Just make your own list in your head. And by the way, if you're in the first group, you've already made a list. Uh, but one of these groups, you're going to be like, slam dunk, got it. One of these groups you're going to absolutely hate. You're like, we don't even need that. Ignore. And three, the other ones are just going to be kind of in the middle. So I want you to just, as, as I'm listing these, just kind of figure out where you land and where the areas that the, the Holy Spirit wants you to grow. This first one, we'll just kind of go in order here, is the apostolic. Now, if you get connected to a person who is apostolic, you will grow in order and you will grow in alignment. You'll grow in alignment and order. People who have been either trained uh, under, under someone who is apostolic or foundational these people love lists. They love lists. They love the foundational things that make everything possible. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if this is your area, man, if this is your gift, gifting, when you're working, if you're doing something at home and you haven't made a list about the thing that you're doing, you go and you make a list, you write it down, and then cross it out just so you can cross something out off the list. Some of you in here, that comes very natural. By the way, it works this way a little bit this way in the body of Christ, and I want you to see this. It's very important. The organizational, foundational organization is important to God. Ephesians 2 tells us, it says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers or fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household. This is all body talk. 
here built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. That's foundational. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So, you, you, man, you love alignment. You love order. But I love the two foundational blocks of the building blocks of the church with Christ being central. They are opposite. Then there's the next ones, the prophets. Now, if you, now, now, by the way, remember, all of these people have the same job. It's to equip. It's to grow the body. These are five areas that we all have to grow in. So how many of you, don't raise your hand, but you know, okay, I could use, I could use some more alignment and some more order in my life. Well, the way you do that is get connected to somebody who leans into that grace of the apostolic. You get connected to that person. You find that in a life group. We, you may not have a modern-day apostle there, but you can find somebody whose gifting just lines up with that. The next is the prophet. Now, the prophet, you, you know, you say that, and immediately you think, man, man, if you get around a prophet, they're all weird Wearing different clothes. They're kind of like John the Baptist. They're in camel hair, you know, got long beards and locust legs and honey stuck there and they're around their mouth, you know. They're all weird. But the, and the prophetic kinds of people, man, they see people writing their list and they go, You're bound. You're so bound. We're free. Sorry, camera operator, I just ran out of frame. <laughs> You're so bound. That is not, that's not the marks of prophetic people. That's just a mark of weirdos. Okay, it's not it at all. No, here's the deal. When you get around prophetic people, here's what should happen in your life. You begin to hear God like never before. Why? Because there is no prophetic ministry without actually hearing God. That's what happens. Remember, they're equipping you. Not to just go around making proclamations, you know, in historical sites. Not going out and just, you know, seeming a bit abstract to the world. No, you get around everyday, normal people in the body of Christ, and they start hearing God like never before. Why? Because Jesus said, this is so important. He said, John 10, 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Did you know that you following Jesus is directly connected to you being able to hear his voice. But I know that some of you in this place are frustrated by the lack of your ability to discern God's voice. So that's why I'm doing a class called Ears to Hear. It's part of the, you know, in our, in our life groups there. And, and I know that when you begin to hear God for yourself, you're going to follow Jesus into your purpose and use the grace that's in your life to not only encourage and edify others through a prophetic ministry, but you, to also help others hear God. You're going to help others hear God. And, and, and by the way, this is a promise of the last hour. This is what Acts 2, 18 really is all about when he says, even on my servants and 
my, my, both men and women, I will pour out of my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Listen, listen, it, that is not just about you getting some weird shock from heaven and standing up and saying something and coming to and everybody's looking at you. That's not what that means. That means you're going to hear God and because of his presence in your life, there will be a boldness that dares to say what God is saying. Even if culture's going another way, even if the situation looks completely opposite, it is in those moments where you know when you've heard God, I now have the boldness to say what he's saying. And listen to me, every one of you who are born again and filled with God's spirit, you can hear God. You can hear God. You're made to hear God. So when you get around prophets, you grow in hearing God. This is how you grow. This is how you grow. Now, how about this one, the evangelist? Now, the evangelist is a little ticked off at both of these guys. The evangelist, when you get around an evangelist, you grow in your proclamation of the gospel. Well, while, while the apostles are making lists and the prophets are worshiping and hearing God, the evangelist is going, we need to get out there where all the sinners are. You losers need to get out of the church. Let's go. <laughs> we know who you are. This may be your number one and the other one that you reject and you don't like, you need. And here's what happens. When you really get in around an evangelist, here's what you grow in. You grow in sharing the gospel, in sharing the good news. Man, you know what we need? We need a church that everywhere they go, they're a breath of fresh air. Everywhere they go. And if you will proclaim the real Jesus and the real work of the cross, you will be a breath of fresh air. You will be. To most people, to most people, you will be. Not to all people, man, they may hear what you're saying and immediately their mind goes in another direction. I just want to tell you, I, matter of fact, people have had such bad experiences with Christians. We need real evangelists to raise up who love God and say, man, I, I really want to encourage you to share the gospel. And you'd be surprised at how many people who've just had bad experiences with 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 people, they would be ready to receive Christ. I love what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy. He's a pastor, huge church in Ephesus. He says, but you, Timothy, for, uh, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 5, keep your head in all situations, which to me says it is not the will of God to be beheaded. Don't catch up soon. Endure hardship. And notice what he says. Do the work of the evangelist. What's he saying? Timothy, I, I know this isn't your primary role, but just because it's not your primary role doesn't mean that you're not supposed to work and grow in that area. So you do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Let me give you the, uh, uh, the, the next one. It's pastors. You get around pastors, and you grow in care for God's people. 
You grow in care for God's people. I mean, if you get around somebody really pastoral, you cannot have a short conversation with them. It's a long conversation. And uh, this, is, this is why Jesus modeled this for us. Remember John 10, where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. He says, the good shepherd, what? He lays his life down. Let me put it in the modern way. He lays his calendar down. Oh, the apostles really got uncomfortable because we we're going off of the schedule. Do, don't we need each other? We do. We do. Why? But why? Because we do need to grow in care. There are, listen, there are some people, okay? There are some people. Man, somebody's getting touched by God. They're crying in the altar. God's moving. Shepherding pastoral people are ministering to them. And they're in the same room going, that light's out. <laughs> Thank you. It's on the list. You just need to get around some other pastoral people. You know where you find those here? Life groups. Ephesians 5, 29 and 30 says, After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Let me give you the last one. Teachers, this one's really good. Uh, when a teacher is operating in their anointing and they're a gift by God, you grow an understanding of God's word. You grow an understanding of God's word. I've had this happen so many times. People come up to me, Pastor, that message you spoke. How? How did you? How? I've read that hundreds of times. And then you read it and taught on it. And wow, how? Well, I'm, I'll tell you, I'll just take you right to the word. This is how it works for a teacher. In Ephesians chapter 3, 2 through 4, it says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, listen, the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Here's how it happens uh, for someone in a teaching anointing. They're, they're reading the word and God gives revelation. And then what? They write or they speak. And then those who read... Or here, they understand. By the way, if you're ever in a classroom and someone is teaching and no one is understanding, that person is not a teacher. 
Our school board could learn this lesson. Make them an administrator. Then their staffs will be confused. All right. Uh, no, what happens is when you get around teachers, you understand the word of God like you've never understood it before. Why? So then you can share the truths about God's word and they too can come into deeper and more knowledgeable understanding. But that doesn't happen just because you're on your own because if that's not who you are, you've got to get connected to a gift who's going to grow you in that area and you can grow in all five of these areas and when you do the body starts to take her place and move in to her calling now by the way this first point real important grow in connection to the gift this last one the most important everything that i said up to this point has been setting kind of a, a, a setting the stage for this truth that I'm about to share with you. If you really want to grow in your calling, if you really want to grow in your gifting, yes, you do need to get attached to some other believers, spirit-filled, headed in the same direction. Somebody needs to hear this. I don't know why it's coming up in my spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't think you're going to become a better Christian because you're hanging out with all your friends who don't live for God, who are just out living a party lifestyle. They're immersed in the culture. No, you're not going to be the only one at the party. Teenager, not drinking, not going to happen. It will corrupt you eventually. I promise you, if you want to discern what your future is, look around at your friends. Look at the people that you're running with. And if you want to run after God, get connected to some gifts. Get connected some people who want the right things for you, who want the best for you. And parents in here, whatever you do, don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your kids, especially if they're teenagers. And they're slamming doors and walking away because if you could actually go a little bit deeper beyond the behavior, here's what you would hear from a kid. I really value your voice in my life. I really need you even though I don't want to show it. I could use a hug even though I don't want to tell you. I promise you, you need to do your best to stay connected to people. But this, this next one is so important, has applications in many different ways. If you really want to grow in the grace that's on your life, you need to grow in love for the body. Because everything I have uh, mentioned up to this point means nothing if you're not operating in love. There are extremely gifted people who when they abandon love, they may be gifted, but they will be alone. Matter of fact, I, I, what I've always found is that uh, um, most people would never receive correction without connection. They're never going to make a life-adjusting choice without knowing that you care and knowing that you love. It's way more important 
than that, though. Galatians 5, 6 says, for in Christ Jesus, there's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. It, it doesn't matter anything. It doesn't avail anything. Here's what matters. Faith working by love. Did you know that your faith won't work without love? It's like your car won't run without oil. Your faith in God, your gift in God, it doesn't work without love. And, and here's the good news. The good news is when you get saved, God sheds the, the love of God abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 5. So really what you and I need to do is we need to uncap that well. We need to, we need to tap into that geyser of love that is there through prayer and through connection with other people. We've got to grow in love for the body. Listen, our faith doesn't work. The body doesn't grow without love. And of course, every wedding you've ever been to tells you that, but we don't really listen. We're just kind of googly-eyed at the bride and wondering if that guy is really going to live up to all these words that he's sharing. And we miss the scripture that's read almost every ceremony that says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I should remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You just put it in layman's terms. Our gifts are useless without love. And church, I think if we would just start being a people of love, we'd be that breath of fresh air. I mean, how many times when people see you, I mean, are they really, really glad that you showed up? Are they glad that what you're carrying, you brought that to them? Can I just say, you can be. That's why we're here today. It's not, hey, by the way, you're not stuck where you are. God's saying, hey, I sent some gifts to help you grow. And I got I to gotta, I gotta share this with you. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And that love that's so desperately needed in the world, it is in there by the, by the Spirit of God. It's not just an act of your will. It is a deposit placed there by God. And if we will just say, God, I'm going to choose to love even beyond protecting myself. Even, you know, being my own defender because some people love, they stepped out there and they got hurt. I would say this again, so did Jesus. He stepped out here on this planet. He, the Bible says he came to his own and they rejected him. Why? They love darkness more than light. And yet, look at what the scripture says about Jesus in John 13, this is how Jesus models love for us. He says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour had come, he's about to die, he knows what's about to happen, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. Jesus loved Judas, who was actively stealing resources from his ministry. 
How did he love him? To the end. And you know what we do? We dismiss that truth and say, well, it couldn't have been me. No, it has to be you. It has to be us. He knew in this moment where where he is about to go to the cross that everyone is going to abandon him except for one disciple, John. John would be there. And the reason we know that is while hanging on the cross, he says to John, John, this is your mother, his own mother, Mary. And he says, mother, this is your son. All of the rest of them gone. He loved them to the end, knowing Peter in just a few moments is going to deny him and run away. I don't know about you, but my story is less like John and more like the 11. I think if I had been in that party, I would have been in the 11. The one running in fear, the one, the one in self-preservation. I think that's where I would have been. But we need more people to be like Jesus. You know, Jesus actually says, he says, this is how you know they are my disciples. They love one another. But disciple is way too, too much of a religious word. It means this. It means this is how you know they are in my classroom. This is how you know they are growing from me. They are loving the way I loved. And because you love, your gifts will work. You'll be more prophetic than ever. You'll be more of a teacher than ever. You'll be more apostolic than ever. You'll be able to encourage others. And let me just say is that if we could dare to love this region, there will be more fruit for the kingdom than ever. I think probably today, under the sound of my voice or watching online, there's some people who you're just like the 11. Man, you've heard about the love of God. You've heard about this God who is interested in people, so interested that he would send his only begotten son to pay the price. That's John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, you maybe have heard that message, but I'm here to tell you, you haven't done too much because he loves you to the end. And you're still breathing. And you're still here. And you're among those who were in the very same place that you are today. Apart from God, away from God, and yet God's grace and God's spirit pursued us, drew us, and brought us into his family and made us a part of his body. That's what he'll do for you today. He loves you to the end. You say, what do I need to do? Believe in the one who is sent. Place faith in Jesus. Maybe an easier way for you to understand it is this. It's time to surrender. It's time to surrender. That message is for those who don't yet know God through Christ. 
and also for those in the body who want to make a difference, it's time to surrender.